Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Falcoholic podcast listeners, welcome back to another episode of the Falcoholic Live, now available in audio-only podcast format. We're excited to get this new audience in here to see the show. Just wanted to remind you that if you're interested in watching the Falcoholic Live on YouTube, we are live on Wednesdays at 8.10 p.m. Eastern, and then we're also going to be going live now that we have actual football uh, on Sundays after right after the game ends for a live post-game show. So we look forward to seeing some of you guys there. In the meantime, enjoy this episode of the Falcoholic Live. Thanks very much. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 113 of the Falcoholic Live. I am your host, Kevin Knight, joined by a group of illustrious co-hosts slash guests uh, and also some more guests joining us later in the show. It's going to be a jam-packed evening because as you know there is real live genuine nfl football this week which is extremely exciting for all of us uh tomorrow even we're gonna get some real football so uh we got loads to talk about for a change uh the final falcons roster has been revealed and already changed multiple times as is tradition uh we're gonna talk uh, about this seahawks matchup which is maybe a little bit more exciting than you might think uh the falcons probably actually have a decent chance of winning this game uh so you know, the Falcons traditionally have been really bad in week one in the last couple of years, but on paper, you know, maybe maybe this is a favorable matchup for them. So we'll, we'll take a closer look at that. We're going to have uh, former Falcons guard Keenan Forney joining us later in the show as well to give his takes on, on all of those topics. But before we get to that, let me welcome in our guest this evening. First off, you know him, Eric Robinson at underscore Eric underscore Robinson. Eric, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty well, man. It's, it's, the time is here. The time is here. It's less than 24 hours. Yep, we are almost there. Uh, we have, yeah, less than 24 hours till real football. It's crazy. Also with us tonight, Adnan Ikic at Say Which Way. Adnan, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. You know, we're very close to the finish line um, of this offseason. It doesn't even feel like football is coming up because we met, there was no preseason at all. So this is going to be a weird one. But yeah, it'll all be... It'll be something. It'll be a surreal feeling uh, when we watch the Ravens, or excuse me, the Texans and the Chiefs kick off tomorrow, and then even more surreal when we watch the Falcons on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. I almost can't believe it, honestly. Like it, it's crazy that we're already already here. And I say that after we've complained like endlessly about no preseason and not having football forever. But you know, whatever. We're just gonna we're just gonna gloss over that detail. But. Uh, also with us tonight, Evan Birchfield at the very easy to remember Evan Birchfield. Evan, how are you doing tonight? Uh, good. I agree with everybody here. Just ready for some football, finally. Yeah. Ready for some football? Yes, we are. Okay. So, first topic of the day. Uh, I guess we could, I mean, it's going to be the roster. Um, there were a few roster moves this week that we'll talk about as well. 
Um, but the final roster was revealed. Uh, there were some surprises. Um, I'm trying to think of what the maybe the most surprising one was for me. I mean, I, I think I ex- really did expect undrafted wide receiver Chris Rowland to, to make the roster and win the return job. Falcons didn't uh, agree with that take. They went with uh, veteran Brandon Powell. Uh, so that was kind of a big surprise to me um, because Roland, I mean, by all accounts, had just been more impressive. Um, and this was actually the first time in the Quinn Dimitrov era that a undrafted free agent rookie did not make the final roster out of camp. Uh, so that was interesting as well. So I guess for me, it would be Roland. Uh, Evan, I'll go to you first. What was maybe the most surprising uh, either cut or addition uh, to the final roster this year for you? Um, probably, well, I mean, I'd agree with you on Roland, but just to be different, I'll go Bankert just because there was a lot of talk that he could, you know, make a push for this, uh, quarterback two spot, but obviously no preseason game kind of squashed that. Um, so he went on waivers or whatever, passed through and then came back to the team and, uh, yeah, now he's one of their protected, you know, the protected bunch going into this weekend. So teams won't be able to touch him until think from monday to tuesday or something mm-hmm. yeah. um you know that's assuming they protect him again next week um but that would be i guess my biggest surprise but honestly um there wasn't a whole lot of shock i think the Dion buchanan thing was a little odd um but you know at the same time it's different practice squad rules now so you get it doesn't matter how old you are how many years you've been in the league like you can anybody i mean i think uh um, what's his name? McCown. He's like forty something. He's on the practice squad for Philly, I think. So yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It, every there's no rules this year. The practice squad's like the Wild West. Honestly, I think it's well, a good I, thing. I, yeah. I like it. Yeah, me too. What's yeah. cool? What's cool about the McCown situation is the Eagles are telling him don't show up, just stay pretty much quarantined in your house, uh, staying football shape. Of course, <laughs> here's a check for like. Sixty thousand dollars every week, or one hundred twenty—I don't know—for a lot of money every week. I think it's twelve and... k a week. <laughs> he was getting. Yeah. How much is it? Twelve k a week. Man, sign me, okay. yeah. sign me yeah, up. Yeah, I was way that. off. Uh, I I added another zero, but yeah, twelve k <laughs> a week as well. Um, and they're saying if our quarterback room gets hit with COVID, then they have that break glass in case of emergency, which is actually really smart on their part. You have yeah, someone yeah. who someone who knows that system, someone who almost won them a playoff game last year and you know it's very cushy for mccown as well Mm -hmm. so he's basically a free agent but he's getting paid this whole time (laughs) basically (laughs) yeah stay home (laughs) yeah Yeah, they're telling him don't leave your house he gets paid to stay at home and watch nfl sunday ticket yep yeah and do a couple setups here and there (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. yep yeah i mean it is it is crazy uh this is going to be an interesting year obviously for many reasons, uh, <laughs> these strange practice squad included. Uh, so that is one of the interesting quirks of like the no limit practice squad uh, that we are seeing. But uh, it won't be the last one, I guarantee it. Uh, so for for you, Eric, what was uh, maybe the most surprising or uh, cut or addition to the final roster? Um, I wouldn't say it's surprising because I kind of felt it was coming. But honestly, seeing um, seeing Dejanson not make the fun, make the final roster is is interesting in its own right. Um, you know, we're still trying to figure out or, or put this whole puzzle together as far as him and what's his status with the team. How does the team truly, you know, feel about him? 
but you know he for him to make the final roster i think is it is a sign that at the very least the team believes he can he can be a piece he can be a um uh, uh, added commodity to the roster to their defense going forward, you know, because it things looked really bleak last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he didn't play at all, and then you know he had. I remember, remember he had offseason shoulder surgery last year after you know never being active for a game. I'm thinking myself, right. like, wow, pretty yeah, pretty interesting. But you know, just seeing him make the final roster, you know, I, I think it's it's a sign that the team has not truly given up hope on him yet. Mm-hmm. We'll see when it comes to playing time and snaps. But. Yeah, yeah, we will. We will see indeed. Um, yeah, that's a good one. I agree with you there. Uh, Adnan, you got any any uh, anyone else that you want to touch on that was kind of a surprise to you making the roster or, or uh, not making it? Uh, I was surprised that Deion Buchanan got cut uh, the way he did because I think the Falcons have four linebackers on the roster right now, depending on uh, what they want to do with Keanu Neal there. He's still listed as a safety, but uh, if memory serves correctly, right now the starting the entire linebacker room is Deion Jones, Foy Oluwakin, Leroy Reynolds, and um, Michael Walker. Walker. Uh, yeah, Walker. Huh? Walker. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Michael Walker, the the rookie sensation. Rookie. Yeah. Yeah. Who who I'm really excited about. I just had a brain freeze, but he had a fantastic training camp. But yeah, so. The linebackers are looking a little bit thin, and you know I was Deion Buchanan, a former premium draft pick. I uh, just couldn't stick in Atlanta, at least not yet. Right. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. Um, I was hoping he was able to to get a role, mm-hmm. have a role on the team. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, that was definitely one of the surprising ones that came in later this week because, like, they're sitting at four linebackers now. I know people have brought it up in the chat. Um, and I will. We will try, definitely try to get to as many questions as we can as well tonight, guys. So throw those in there. I uh, want to shout out, you know, Solaire and Tyler Rains and JL Hunt. Uh, so many familiar faces every week. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning back in every single time. We uh, we love you guys, and uh, you're what you're what helps makes this show fun to do. Is, is getting to talk to you guys every single week. So, um, but yeah, uh, on the Dion Buchanan note, you know that was one of the late changes to the roster this week uh and like like i said there's only four actual linebackers on the roster which is a little bit unusual um and on the flip side of that there's 11 defensive linemen so that is equally unusual that is a lot of defensive linemen um both deidre sanat and jacob twadi mariner made the roster which was pretty surprising um you know i think a lot of us thought maybe deidre sanat was on the bubble because of his kind of just he seemed to be in the coaching staff's doghouse, and the, the reports coming out of camp wasn't super encouraging. Um, but at the same time, uh, he does offer something as like a true defensive tackle. The Falcons don't really have a lot of those on the roster, so it made some sense. And then the team also seems to really like Jacob Twatty Mariner. Um, so in terms of that defensive line group, we'll just start there because there's 11 guys there. That's a lot of names. Um, I personally don't think that we're going to see that 11 stick around for very long, uh, but that, maybe that's just me. Do you guys have a particular thought about which, like, what's going to happen with that group? you think we're going to see a lot of, like, a really high number of defensive linemen, like, more than just for short term? Or is this a temporary thing because of maybe some injury concerns with, like, Charles Harris and Marlon Davidson and those type of guys? Well, oh, I'll let you go, Eric. 
I think going forward, that's that's going to be the case. I honestly think this is this is going to be the group that they're going to try. Um, you know, if you if you just go to the beginning of the Dan Quinn era, you know, the the pass rush has really been the biggest thorn in the side to the defense of trying to find a sense of consistency there. And I think this is just them saying, hey, you know what? Let's stockpile some bodies. Let's throw some guys out there. Let's see who can get to the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never, I don't, I can't recall them ever having literally going three deep when it comes to the defensive line, but they literally can at this point, honestly. Um, yeah. And I, I'm encouraged by it. I like it. I like having that many, that much, um, you know, that many bodies to rotate to get after the quarterback and to stop the run. I, I don't mind it at all. Yeah. I, I think this is really their plan going forward. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, you know, Quinn is definitely a guy who likes to rotate on the defensive line. We know he ha- he likes to have a lot of bodies there, so that, that does make some sense to me. Um, I also want to give you, uh, the rest of you guys a chance to chime in because I feel like I've been talking a ton. So uh, anybody else have takes on, on that 11th defensive line situation? Uh, I, I was just going to add, you know, the Harris thing. Uh, you know, there's been reports that he's not been at practice and stuff like that, so that's probably the biggest name to monitor, um, especially, like, you know, if they're going to end up making a move or something, we'll see. But um, I agree with you with what you were saying, uh, Eric, about Sanat making the roster was kind of expected, but kind of shocking at the same time. Um, but, yeah, I think it's just they want a pass rush, you know, hopefully Fowler, the whole Fowler intact thing works out to where they don't have to worry about it too much. But um, Stephen Means is back now from the COVID list and stuff, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. I don't, I don't see us going eleven deep on the defensive line the entire season. Just not with four linebackers on the team. I think Charles Harris, like that's, it could be a mystery injury right there. Um, you had uh, Mar- Marlon Davidson, who's been dealing with a bone bruise to the point where we didn't know his week one status, but it looks like he'll play in week one. He's not listed as a starter, but. I think Tyler Davison was going to be our starter in uh, in the base package one way or another. I I think um, Deidre Sinat could, if I had to guess, I would guess that Deidre Sinat is on borrowed time right now. And when we figure things out with this whole Charles Harris stuff, if he gets healthier or if Marlon Davidson gets back to 100%, I can definitely see them parting ways with uh, Sinat and trying to put him on the practice squad possibly bringing bringing Deion Buchanan back into the folds but or another free agent linebacker we'll see but I just can't see this team going with just four linebackers yeah yeah I agree with you there and there there is like the note that I guess um one of the rule changes this offseason was that you can elevate two additional players to the roster uh for the weekend um, I believe, like, on Friday, you can elevate two, so you actually have 55 going into the game. So I think we're, we're going to see this weekend probably, you know, Dion Buchanan was put on the practice squad. I think it's very likely that we'll see him elevated to the roster as one of those two spots. You know, a third quarterback probably also going to be activated to one of those spots. Uh, and then we also know now that they can activate, I think, two additional guys in terms of, like, the active and active list type of players on actual game days. Um as long as I think one of them is like an offensive lineman. So um, there will be some differences there. Uh, so it could be, like you're mentioning, like they're not going to stay at four for long because that's very thin. So they might use those new rules maybe to elevate someone like Dion Buchanan 
to the roster temporarily uh, because of, like you said, some of the injury issues with like Charles Harris and Marlon Davidson at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just I just want guys to be healthy uh, for the most part, and it sounds like Marlon Davidson was able to return to practice, so that's great news, obviously. Um, and then I believe Hennessy also uh, was was a full participant, yeah, and we're did. gonna talk we're gonna talk about that obviously as we get more towards the offensive side of the ball, but. Yeah, so far, um, the defensive line, I think, is is pretty inspiring in terms of some of the names they have. I mean, I wouldn't say that it's, like, star-studded, uh, but in terms of the depth, I think the depth is better than it has been in a while. Like, it's not just a couple of guys that were praying play really well and then literally nothing behind them for a change. Uh, so so I'm, I'm excited about that, personally. Um, I know Steven Means is someone the coaching staff really likes, and so to have him back this year after he missed all of last season, I think they're excited to see if he can actually be like a, a number three pass rusher on the edge and see what he can do there. So, let's see. Moving on. Well, we kind of touched on linebacker, um, but let, let's just give it a quick second. Obviously, Deion Buchanan was cut, um, so it seems like the starters are going to be Deion Jones and Foyola Woken for the most part. Uh, Michael Walker probably going to mix in there as well. Uh, and then Leroy Reynolds kind of rounds out the group. Any any takes on that group? I mean, I think we basically predicted this group almost exactly uh, on last week's show, but I didn't know if, if you guys had any other takes on that group at this point. Yeah, I'm nervous, honestly, yeah. about the depth. But I do understand, or I, at least I feel, that they have a, a certain plan together. And we're, I'm, I'm sure we're going to get to that in a few minutes. But just on the bare surface, you know, just having four true linebackers, I am a little concerned about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Um, and like part of, part of what I, why I feel a little bit better is because like Michael Walker was one of the more impressive players in training camp. So having a really impressive rookie in there, um, to be able to step up if there is an injury, um, makes me feel a little bit better, but at the end of the day, it is still a rookie. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that goes there. Um, Behind them, the secondary, uh, again, not too many surprises. Um, they did keep Sherrod Neesman on the act- active roster. Uh, so for Sherrod Neesman Hive, uh, that was a win. <laughs> I think I think uh, a lot of us kind of, you know, he's one of those Quinn Doghouse players that just seems to kind of inexplicably be relegated to the inactive list or to just not playing on defense. Um, but uh, he made the, the roster again, so uh, good for him. Uh, maybe he'll actually play on defense if needed, um, but he's a special teams guy. Um, you know, the rookie Jalen Hawkins, despite missing, I think, like the first half of camp with his with being on the COVID list, um, he, he made the roster, which is good news. Um, so that's, what, six? Six true safeties? Even that, I mean, even that's a lot compared to years past. I think it's – is it five or six? I thought it was five because it was – Casey, Rico, Neil, Hawkins, and then Neesman. So five. I'm sorry, five. No, you're okay, good. I'm you're good. Counting. I was still counting uh, Carter as well. I forgot. He yeah, was. yeah. He's practice squad, I believe. So. Yeah, he's practice squad. Mm-hmm. Um, so that group, no, not too many surprises there. Maybe the most interesting thing about the safety group that we can touch on is the fact that the team lists like three safeties as the as the starting defensive alignment. Not that that really is very meaningful, but it is kind of interesting. Um, so, I, do you guys have any takes on if this three safety set is like finally going to be a thing? We've been like expecting it for many years now. I feel like, and it seems like maybe it's actually going to be a thing now. I I think I think it is. 
I think it is meaningful. I think this is the dawn of something new to the defense. Um, I, I recently put a column out on it as far as, you know, just pinpointing exactly the fact that they listed three safeties as a starter. And I believe it's because of a hybrid look that they're going to. And I think we're going to see a lot more of Keanu Neal playing at the second level this year, kind of sort of being, you know, a hybrid weak side, you know, like a, a joker type safety mm-hmm. where he's really just closer to the line of scrimmage just to get his, you know, his aggressiveness, his physicality there. Um, it's something that they've been talking about for a little while. It's something that we've been talking about as far as the Falcon. All we've been talking about for a while that we would love to see it. Um, and like I said, I think this is more of a situation where they're going to have him play at the second level. And I think they're going to incorporate a lot more Tampa 2 within the team as well because of it. Because they're not going to have three corners on the field in base nickel. You're going to have three safeties in two corners. So I think they're going to go more to a Tampa 2 look where you're going to see some cover two zone. Um, and that stems from Raheem Morris, who, of course, was former head coach of the Bucks and assistant coach for the Bucks as well. Mm-hmm. So he's a Tampa 2 disciple. So I think we're going to have a, a just a, a mix of Tampa 2 with the 4-2-5 hybrid scheme. I think that's what they're trying to put together. I like it because it disguises a lot. It shows a lot of concepts. It shows a lot of possibilities, and it gives offenses a little more to prepare for. Yeah. And it, it also puts your best players on the field. Right. Because you need – Ricardo Allen isn't physically the best safety in the game, but right. you need him for his mental approach to the game. He's been talked about as a coach on the field all the time. Keanu Neal, Pro Bowl-level Pro Bowl level safety when healthy, and hopefully he's fully healthy again. Demonte Casey, you tried it out last year with uh, putting him into the nickel corner role to uh, keep those three guys on the field at the same time. Didn't really work out. You can tell that uh, Casey is much better in that safety role as opposed to that cornerback role. So now you're putting these three guys all on the field at the same time, and you're putting Casey in a position where he's more comfortable in where he led that league in interceptions a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because I definitely think, you know, we've seen now that KZ is much more comfortable kind of sitting back in that deep safety role and just kind of going after the ball. Uh, they tried to play him at, at the nickel, at the slot position, and I think we all kind of assumed that that would work because, you know, he'd had, he'd had flash. Yeah, he played corner in college, and he'd had flashes in the preseason and stuff uh and like early on that like in his career where it was like oh this could like he he was he's a good tackler you know he's he's physical guy like it seemed like maybe it was a good fit it just didn't work out um you know it for whatever reason so it, it seems like now they kind of understand that they want to put him back at safety um you know ricardo allen's versatile like he can he can basically also play a slot corner role uh, you know he, again call, background as a college corner we've seen him play slot cornerback in a pinch um just very smart, uh, very very heady player that can kind of do it all. Um, and then Keanu Neal is a guy that potentially can play more of like a really linebacker-esque role and just kind of sit down in the box. Um, and we know he can cover tight ends too. Like that's one of his strengths. So um, that is something that, that's good. It, could, it gives them a little bit more flexibility against like two tight end set teams or teams that, you know, use two running backs and that sort of thing. Um, right. 
But against three, and, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. And I was going to say, while we're talking about it, just one more point about the safeties. Uh, Keanu Neal and DeMonte Casey, both in contract years this year. So yeah. they'll both be playing Inspire. They're both playing for a new contract. That second contract, the big one after their rookie year. Uh, Keanu Neal, he's on the fifth-year option because he was injured when uh, the fifth-year option was uh, extended to him. Uh, he's making around $6 million this year. Casey's making $2.5 million. So they're both playing for new deals. And Ricardo Allen, while we're on the subject of contract talk, uh, this won't be a topic up until the offseason, but this could be his final year in Atlanta as well because he's an $8.5 million cap hit next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, in addition, you know, I think this is also um, the team attempting to try to mask a little bit of what may be the aftermath from Keanu Neal suffering season-ending injuries two years in a row. He tore his ACL and an Achilles. If you know, if you follow the sport well enough, you know, especially the Achilles, it's the type of injury that can really take away from you when it as far as being you know rangy being in space so i think this may be a situation where they're kind of sort of trying to get him closer to the line of scrimmage where he can still be effective in a short area with with his short area quickness compared to playing on the back end you know and having him out in you know out as the last line of defense Mm -hmm. um so yeah it this this brings a lot of possibilities it doesn't take away from Darquez Denard. It doesn't take mm-hmm. away from Kendall Sheffield. This is just a base look that they're going to go to. They can definitely, because like like uh, Adnan pointed out, these all three of these safeties are versatile. So you can still incorporate Denard at slot and maybe, you know, take, you know, take KZ off the field and then they, you, you still have you know, you're strong and you're free that you still are able to operate in a normal defensive setting. This is just a, a different look for them that I think is needed because it's quite obvious just the whole Seattle four, three under defense, not really quite working in, in, in Atlanta now. Fucking so, garbage. It is, right. so it's like, it was, it, instead of just keep doing the same thing. I mean, we, two teams called the Falcons out last year saying, we know what you're going to run on defense. Yeah. All right. At that point, it's time to change things. Yeah. Is, yeah. I was going to say, they're leaving no stone unturned, and I'm sure Dan Quinn had a meeting with uh, Jeff Ulbrick and Raheem Morris in the offseason before, and they went through some creative concepts that they could have gone through. And, you know, it's it's refreshing because in the past, it's just the same old, same stuff every single year, same vanilla defense over and over again, even when it wasn't working. But now... You know, you, you need creativity in today's NFL. Teams yep. are, are better than ever on offense. You have mm-hmm. a division with two Hall of Fame quarterbacks and it against Atlanta. Matt Ryan is the third Hall of Fame quarterback, of course. Even though even though two of them are ancient, they're still very they're still very experienced. They're very good in the short yardage game. But mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, it's refreshing. It's nice to see. It's nice to see, and I don't think that they'll get off to a one and seven start because of this year. <laughs> God, I hope not. Yeah, let's, I, think, let's... I think you. I think you're gonna see a lot more blitz packages as well, which we've mm-hmm. been crying for for years. They have. The, they've always had the athletes to do it. I don't know yeah. why they 
Yeah, back when they had Brian Poole, he was like he's like one of the best blitzing corners in the league, and they just yeah, like barely ever Poole, used him to do it. Right, yeah. Poole. I mean, even sending Debo on blitzes, like I don't, I never under, even Keanu bringing Keanu down and sending him. I don't, I never understood why they never why they did not incorporate that a lot more. But they always had the athletes to do it because mm-hmm. you have to rush for, keep everything in front of you, and then miss a million tackles. Yeah. Yes, and that's the thing, like. The NFL, you don't just sit back and let offenses do whatever they want anymore. Like, you don't play sides. Like, you don't just, like, you you can't let the offense dictate anything to you or else you're going to get gashed because offensive coordinators are too smart. Like, the game is is too, it's, people are too good at it now. You can't just leave, you know, your linebacker out there on, you know, Travis Kelsey. Like, you just can't do it anymore. Like, you you can't be like, all right, we're going to play Isaiah Oliver on one side and we're going to play, you know, AJ Terrell on the other side, and they're going to line up, you know, Tyreek Hill on Isaiah Oliver. Yeah, it's going to be a disaster. Like you can't, you can't let that happen anymore. Like you have to be able to be flexible enough to tell your guys to line up somewhere else. Like, and that's that's what I think, you know, Darkies Denard brings as well with that flexibility. Like against three wide receiver teams, they're still they're going to play three corners. Like these three safety right. sets are not for right. when teams are it's, in eleven. It's- it's yeah. not going. Yeah, it's not going to be a first, second, third down de- defense. Yeah. It's just a bait. Mm-hmm. They're going to play it on a few downs here and there. They're going to explore it. If, if if you know if the offenses forces their hand to change it a little bit, then they'll change it. But I think this is their way of saying, you know what, we're going to throw something else to the wall and see if it sticks. Yeah, yeah. So exactly right. Like they're you know this three safety thing. Like it's still not going to be the defensive package they play the most. Like if nickel with three corners is still going to be the most frequent package because that's what NFL teams run 11 more than any other package. That's, that's the reason why not because they necessarily want to be a nickel, but like last year, like the slot corner was a huge weakness. And this year, the slot corner is a huge strength with Darquise Denard, who might be the best of all three corners at this point. Like we'll see with AJ Terrell. Like I'm very encouraged by what we've seen from him, but I don't think it's outlandish to say that Denard could be the best of our three corners. So, like, teams aren't going to be able to put, you know, their guy in. Like, Chris Godwin's not going to be able to just eat us alive from the slot anymore. Like, Darquise Denard is a very good slot corner, one of the best guys. We don't have to worry about teams hiding great players in the slot anymore because we finally have someone who can match up against him. We haven't really had someone there since, like, Brian Poole. And no offense to Poole, like, Poole's a, a very good slot corner, but he's a really good slot corner because he's great in run support, he's a great blitzer, and that sort of thing. He's not, like, an elite cover guy, whereas I think Dar- Denard is more of a better cover guy. He doesn't offer as much, you know, flexibility and ability to kind of move around and do those kind of other things. But, um, you know, I do like this safety group a lot. I do like these corners a lot, you know, and, and AJ Terrell, like, I mean, we've talked about it on this show through, throughout whole training camp. One of the most consistent drum beats is that Terrell is one of the best players in camp. He's challenging Julio. He's really growing and he's confident. And that is so key, particularly for a position like corner where you're going to get roasted. Like, um, and another thing with Terrell is like, everyone knows that the championship game where he did get roasted in the second half. And like, that clear that, that has people yeah yeah exactly thank you Adnan for filling in what I was gonna say but like that's gonna happen to you it doesn't matter how good you are like you're gonna get burned by somebody especially in the NFL so Terrell has clearly not let that game like get in his head or anything like that like he he's confident he's going out there and challenging Julio and I think he has the right mindset to be successful as a rookie in a season where we're gonna see rookies struggle 
uh, because of, you know, the truncated offseason and all this stuff. So um, very encouraged there. I mean, do you guys think, like, Terrell's the number one? Like, he's going to match up with number ones, like, just immediately? Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think it's Isaiah Oliver that's the number one. So not yet. By seasons <laughs> in, maybe now. Do I they mean, need a number one? Like this is not. It's more like it's going to be a matchup thing, but yeah, let's just avoid that for now <laughs> with this team. I like the cornerback grouping. I like what they can be, but let's just avoid the whole number one, number two corner thing. Let's just put some corners up there, because I, oh. I, mean, I don't think Terrell's capable of being a number one now i definitely don't think oliver is ready for that role let's somebody just... has to do it let's let's uh, use this weekend as an example who would you have them line up covering yeah I, I was gonna say for what it's worth we won't really need a number one number one until at least week three uh with the seahawks you're not facing any of these elite wide receivers you're gonna be facing uh you're not facing chris godwin you're not facing Michael Thomas this week. DK Metcalf is not. A I mean, pusher. no, you're facing I mean, like sev- pushover, you're facing but... several very good wide receivers. You're not yeah, facing any like you're not facing ones. anyone elite. And I mean, DK Metcalf. I'm not putting DK Metcalf in my top ten wide receivers in the NFL list. No, right, but he's no, good. Like I'll, no one's saying he's not good. Yeah. It, yeah, well, like Metcalf is fine, but he's not Thomas. He's not Mike Evans. He's not Devontae Adams, who you're going to see in Week Four. I, I, He's not even Allen Robinson, who you're going to see in Week Three. Yeah, I mean, it's probably going to be Terrell on Metcalf. If if like if Kendall Sheffield was healthy, maybe you'd see Sheffield on Metcalf because he's got the speed. But I think Sheffield, it sounds like, is not going to be healthy. Like he's wearing a walking boot and not at practice today. It's Wednesday, so probably not going to see Sheffield on Sunday. So Isaiah Oliver sure as hell ain't covering DK Metcalf. So it kind of has to be AJ Terrell. Um, and then Darquise Denard probably on Lockett in the slot, right? And then uh, is Josh Gordon going to be reinstated by Sunday? Probably not, right? I mean, I guess it could happen, but um, it doesn't seem – it seems like if they were going to reinstate him, it would have happened by now for week mm-hmm. one. Um, but it's always possible. And, like, I, I think – who's their third guy? David Moore or whatever, I think. Um, who's not – he's not bad. Like, I, I've had him on my fantasy teams in years past. Like, he, he's, like, a, a solid three, but he's not anyone you game plan around. So, um, I'm guessing it would be, like, Oliver on more then. So, um, I think I think Terrell on Metcalf is fine. Like, I don't think Terrell's going to get destroyed, but I don't think, you know, we, could, we should expect him to, like, utterly erase Terrell – or Metcalf. You know, we'll probably see them, like, trust – Denard a lot like they'll probably put Denard on Lockett and just be like okay we're expecting you to cover Lockett and then they're gonna give you know Terrell safety help on Metcalf and then we're just gonna see how that goes that's my Uh, guess I do think until uh until Terrell proves he can stop it they're gonna they're gonna try and and pick on him a little bit because rookie first game uh of his career so Russell Wilson's definitely gonna test him early and often and if he can 
if he can prove that he can stop it, then he may go away a little bit. But we should definitely see a lot of targets peppering AJ Terrell, especially since the last time we saw AJ Terrell on a football field, it wasn't it wasn't the prettiest sight. The first, first half was nice. Yeah. First play might be play post. Probably. Probably. But they're not just gonna leave Terrell on an island against Metcalf. No, they're not. They're not. No, so. they're not. I just I just I, I guess I guess I'm higher on Seattle than most in the in the in the Falcoholic group. I honestly think like Seattle is a Super Bowl contender. I honestly feel that DK Metcalf is going to be an elite receiver by season's end, if not by midseason. I, I just I believe in him. I believe in Russell Wilson. I, I think this team is going to be really good this year. Um, and I just think that's a stern test mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for a guy like AJ Terrell. Sure, he saw plenty of Julio and Ridley in practice, but now it's game time. Yeah. And now DK yeah. Metcalf is 6'4, 240. He's bigger than Julio. You know, and I, he doesn't change okay. direction like Julio. He, he, do, he doesn't. <laughs> but he runs really fast in a straight line. <laughs> but we saw in the playoffs, especially in the playoffs, we saw how good DK can be. We saw at times, we saw against New Orleans, he he made plays against Lattimore. He he the guy can play. He doesn't move great as far as change of direction, but if you need him to run a nine route, oh yeah, that guy is probably going to win that nine route a lot. <laughs> it's an elite nine route. I mean, like no 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 shade intended, you know, at DK Metcalf. Right. Metcalf. Like what he does well, he does really well. So right. And I see Keenan's joined us. Welcome, uh, Keenan. Um, can you hear us? I think he's yeah. He's on I think you're muted in. Yeah, it Hangouts. shows he's muted. But, he's muted. Okay. There we yeah, go. now we can hear we you. Can hear yep. you. What, up? what up? What's up, y'all? How y'all doing? Good, good. Are good, you good? How are you? Yeah, yeah. Come on now. Hey, it's game week, baby. Oh, oh yeah. It is. it is, man. I'm ready, man. It's yeah, yeah. Hours, man. We're, talking about, we're talking about Seattle now. We're talking about what the defense can be. Well, as far as, far as the defense, the, the, the newly released depth chart. Uh, that came out with the three safety look, and we're we're kind of breaking that down a little bit. So, how do you feel about that going forward, as far as what this team may be doing with a lot of their better players? Um, hmm, let me see. I think it's a good look because we'll be able to match up a little bit better versus their wide receivers. I think mm-hmm. just because you know we got that third safety in, and it's it's more of uh, I guess you could say it's kind of more of a nickel look. You know what I'm saying? Um, Kazee, Neil, Ricardo. I believe that. Um, I don't know. Let me back up here. Yeah, yeah. First off, I want to see. You know how I don't. I don't know how much they'll play Neil. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? He just kind of started practicing here not too long ago. So they're saying three safeties or whatever. It might just start off with two just a little bit and rotate Neil in just a little bit, you know, just to kind of get his legs up underneath them. I don't anticipate them throwing him out there for a full game. Hey, go go get it 100 miles an hour, you know. Uh-uh. But if they do decide to give us a three-safety look, you know, it'll be good to match up versus them because uh, it gives us an extra guy in the box or not really in the box, but, you know, Kazee or whoever's going to play that kind of star, you know, that extra safety. Uh I'm, I'm interested to see how it's going to work out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and I, I think you might be on something there, like that the Seahawks, like if, if you know, um, 
if Josh Gordon isn't reinstated for Sunday, this is a not this is an offense we could potentially see play lean more towards you know two tight ends. Um, they do have you know they they did sign Greg Olson uh, and they also have Will Disley who we know they like. So if this team if this team tries to go two tight ends, you know that three safety look could get a lot of run in this game um, you, because you, as as well as defending the run. I mean they they mm-hmm, run the ball exactly. Um, it's a huge component of their offense. So even having Keanu closer to the line of scrimmage, also a lot of defenses, they prepare for it, but when they see it, it's, you know, it, it's, it's still able to be effective. But also it has another athlete closer to the line of scrimmage to defend against Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. We all know that he his bread and butter is what? Extending plays yep. outside the pocket. So, Painful memories of that. Yeah, yeah that three safety <laughs> look may come in handy against this, against the Seattle team just based on, you know, I, I think they are going to try to stretch the field a little bit, mm-hmm. especially with DK. But I also think that they're they're they they like to run the ball, especially late in the second half. They like to run the ball. They like to put the hand put the ball in the hands of Chris Carson to kind of be the closer. So, a guy like Keanu closer to the line of scrimmage, I think, is really going to throw things off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you have uh, all of Seahawks Twitter uh, making hashtag let, let Russ cook trend <laughs> right. all summer because they're so frustrated with how much they run the ball. Yeah. They're frustrated that they won't, like, undo the shackles from Russell Wilson and let him go out there and really be great. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you're absolutely right about that. Like, they, they were a good team at running the ball, but, like, it was, all, it was to, like, the I mean, it was to, like, an extreme level. Like, they were hurting Russell Wilson. I mean... Um, like they were fourth in the league in rushing yards per game, the Seahawks last year. Uh, they averaged 4.6 yards per attempt, which was ninth. So I mean, they were they were effective running the ball, but it wasn't like it wasn't like that was adding a ton of value to their offense. Like when they were passing the ball, they were getting 7.9 yards per attempt versus 4.6 rushing yards per attempt. So like analytics tells us, right, that which one of those numbers is bigger? <laughs> like they didn't throw the ball that much, but Russell Wilson is just one of those super efficient passers, um, and he's just really good at that. And uh, you know, we'll see if they do try to, you know, shift more towards letting Russ cook, as Seahawks Twitter has coined it. But um, I would think that they're still going to be pretty run heavy. I mean, I would be surprised if Pete Carroll was willing to change like that. By letting them cook, like what do fans do? They want them to throw at thirty sometimes? I don't probably. Think that's yeah. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's him. I mean, no one. And they better turn around and give it to Carson because Carson had a pretty decent year for the last year. When healthy, yeah, yeah. They brought in. They brought in in Carlos Hyde this offseason as well, who you know he's shown to not necessarily be a one A back, but he's shown to to complement a run game, at you know with a couple of different teams. I I don't seeing Russell Wilson throw the ball thirty five. I don't think that's what they want. I don't know if I would really want that to be honest with you. I mean, if I was in charge of that offense, I don't know if I want to see Russell Wilson throw it 35 times a game. I think it, they they need to pound the rock a little bit. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's just my opinion. Yeah, hey, yeah. and they and they gonna try to with Dwayne Brown and Mikey Upati on their left right. side. Yeah, they yeah, probably will. Mm-hmm. They probably will. Yeah, because there's means we we need we probably need to see more of Keanu closer to the line of scrimmage than anything else. Anyway. Yeah, buddy. But one thing you can't take advantage of with Chris Carson is he has some known fumble issues. He to does. The point where mm-hmm. he was being benched last season for Rashad Penny. 
he was even potentially letting his uh, starting role slip through his fingers a little bit before Rashad Penny got hurt for the season. So that's something where he's not someone who really takes care of the ball right. like some of these elite running backs really do. So it, it's it's possibly an avenue where you can where you can possibly take advantage of it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Great point. Yeah, yeah. I did want to answer a quick question in the chat. Uh, James Couturier, I think is how you pronounce it. I apologize if I messed that up. But he asked real quick what the difference was between big nickel and nickel. So that would, that one's uh, – so big nickel is three safeties. Regular nickel is three corners. So I'll, for those that I'll didn't look know at that. It that yeah. Way, yeah. yeah. Generally, that's what that means. Um, so just now you know. Um, and I and I think that's kind of what Keanu played when he was in high school, kind of that uh, that star or Lobo. That's what they used to call him for Brian Urlacher back yeah, in the day when he was at New Mexico. Yeah, yeah. you know, you kind of fit up in the box, but then you can play. You know, and Florida Florida had him playing single high early in his collegiate career, but it didn't work. Um, and then he started he started playing a lot more closer to the line of scrimmage. If you actually go back to the twenty six to, to the Super Bowl year. Um, I think he saw a significant amount of snaps lined up at linebacker that year as well. Keanu did mm-hmm. um, more than we actually thought it was. So yeah. not saying he's going to be a pure, he's going to be strictly linebacker this year. We're not saying that. I think they're just exploring ways to getting, like Adnan said, all their best defenders on the field at once. And yeah. I think yeah. Keanu, I think he's better Closer to the line of scrimmage, I even saw it with with, yeah, buddy. You know, with some of the videos. He's doing hoop drills. If you know football well enough, mm. you only do hoop drills. <laughs> you're trying to get after the quarterback. Right? Which tells me they might be doing some blitz packages for him. I yeah. mean, I'm just saying he's gonna be in the box, baby. He's gonna be in the box a lot more. Yeah, than expected. yeah. And like one he, thing, like uh, you know, someone in the chat also mentioned, you know. Uh, you know, if Russell Wilson throws more than like 35 times a game, he might literally die. Uh, and like Russell Wilson's pretty durable, but yes, I mean, that is an imper- important note. Like that left side of the line with Dwayne Brown and Mike Upati when, when healthy is pretty, is, is good. Um, but last year, like they gave up an 8.5% sack percentage, which is a lot like that that's really high uh, i think that was like 29th or 28th or something like yeah. that so they they were allowing a ton of sacks um and that right side this year you know there there's some questions there you know that damian lewis is the rookie he's apparently been impressive in camp um and then ethan pochick who i think was a was a, a former first rounder or second rounder um yeah he's been he's been injured a little yeah bit. he's been kind of yeah he, he's got kind of some limited playing time on yeah him. but he's going to be their starting center now um and then brandon shell the veteran is going to be at right tackle so there's some questions you know from center to the right side but that left side is going to be okay so we'll we'll see you know maybe the falcons uh defensive line can get some pressure and, i think that they will and, and just talking uh on that point on pressure Russell Wilson got sacked 54 times last season. Only Deshaun Watson got sacked more, 55 times. One more, yeah, yes. Watson got sacked one more time before uh, behind that infamous Texans offensive line. Yes. And Matt Ryan came in number three. He got sacked 48 48 times, times. tied with Kyler Murray. Yep. Yes, but it's important to note this is this is something that's often overlooked. That is a lot of sacks. But in terms of sack percentage, which is the number of sacks, you know, divided by the number of passing attempts, the Falcons actually only had a 6.8% sack percentage, yeah. which was about league average. And that so think, 
That's because they threw the ball like a million times. Like, yeah, think I think we that. were first in passing attempts. Yeah. But think about that. They're, they're a team that was fourth in the league in rushing, and their quarterback still got sacked. Oh, yeah. 48 times. Yeah, that's probably why they. I mean, that's probably an, an un, like an underrated reason as to why wow. they ran the ball so much is because they didn't want oh, Russell Wilson oh, to die. 54. I'm yeah. sorry, 54 times. Yeah. That's- Here's another thing to add to to think about that sack is how much of that was on the quarterback for trying to extend the play, right. and how much yes. was on like running backs staying in Fair trying enough. to block too. You know because, what I mean? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because exactly. we all, we all know that's. Yeah. That's how he operates. Right. Yeah, you have people th- uh, sometimes people think sacks and they want to put it all on the old line, but sometimes line. that can, that can be a little bit of everybody. Yeah, uh, yeah. I love it. Keenan Foreman coming in defending the <laughs> offense. Yes. Right yeah, Stand up for them. Yeah. Russell might have been at fault for about forty of these sacks. Yeah. I mean, that is his style, though. It is his style. Like he's gonna try to extend the play, and like it usually works out for him. So like it. Yeah. And you look at those players, Deshaun Watson, a player who always extends the play, uh, Kyler Murray, someone, a rookie last year who was extending the play a lot. The only uh, non-mobile player in that little grouping is is Matt Ryan. But like Kevin said, that's partially because the Falcons, I think, completely led the league in passing attempts last year because there was no I think he had the most completions or something. Yeah. Matt Ryan's mobile. (laughs) When he, when Kyle Shanahan was here, he Matt's looked a, he looked passable. An athlete, yeah, man. Matt's an athlete. I wouldn't put him in that uh, Kyler Murray here. No, I mean, uh, I think I'll take Kyler in a forty time. He got pretty good at those bootlegs, honestly. Like he was pretty good at, at executing those towards the end there with Kyle Shanahan. So you know, I'm not gonna say I'm Matt really Ryan's ready. unathletic, but. You know, I would take I'm not, a Matt Ryan. I'm not, I'm not gonna say Matt is unathletic either, but yeah. every time he runs that ball, I'm holding my breath like, "Get down, get down!" <laughs> he up. just looks like a young, you know, a, a baby gazelle, just with those long legs. Just, you know, he's moving quick, but like it just looked kind of awkward because his legs it's are so to, long. It's quick yeah. to him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not those bootlegs where you had the tight end on the other side of the field just leaking out, and yeah. you had Levine Toilolo or Austin Cooper <laughs> just down. Field. Easy money. Those were Easy amazing money. plays. Yep. Yeah. yeah what was Cutter, it? Uh, DJ Tilavea, you know, caught like two touchdowns because of those plays. I'm pretty sure. I don't know, so. I don't know if Cutter believes in those plays anymore. I think well, he's. No, you got to run up the middle. Yeah. Or bubble screen. <laughs> well, I drafted Todd Gurley in fantasy, so that's definitely the kiss of death for for the run game. So I apologize in advance for that, but. Uh, now let, let's let's segue that with that into the talking about the offense because we definitely talked about how the defense is going to match up against Seattle. So uh, one of the big things we're going to be monitoring is left guard because we thought we knew and apparently we don't know because now they're saying you know oh James Carpenter and Matt you're going to split reps uh, you know so whatever that means I don't really know but. Um, I think if Matt Hennessy is like legitimately healthy enough to start, he will start. If he is not healthy enough to start the whole game, they'll probably play Carpenter. Um, and then we'll just see how it goes. But other than that spot, I think the Falcons are going to be fine against Seattle's pass rush, which is maybe the worst in the league. Maybe. Um, because they missed out on Clowney. And let me read you their starting defensive line. Uh, LJ Collier, uh, for former first round pick, that's about the only accolade he has. Uh, you know, couldn't have been me. Uh, I'll just say that. But uh, very athletic. But again, uh, wasn't able to produce last year. 
he's he is a typical Seattle style player, like really big with some athleticism, but uh, wasn't really a productive college rusher either. So, not sure what they're expecting from him really. Um, Puna Ford at nose tackle is a good run defender. Uh, he he is a legitimately good run defender, as is Jerron Reed, perhaps one of the best run defenders uh, at defensive tackle. Reed has a little bit of juice, so he he can do a little bit from the interior, but um, those two are more just really stout run defenders than they are pass rushers. And then at the Leo is Bruce Irvin, former Falcons great Bruce Irvin. Um, And then behind them, it's, you know, some rookies. Rasheem Green, who I had rated highly uh, when he was coming out, but so far hasn't. He's He's been a good rotational guy for them, but that's kind of what he's done. So that that's Seattle's pass rush right now. Like there's, I think that that unit's going to be good against the run. Like we know Bruce Irvin could stop the run. Um, and you know, Jerron Reed and Puna Ford, very reliable, good run stoppers. But like in terms of pass rush, um, I don't think the Falcons really need to be too concerned about that. unit. but yeah. let me ask Keenan something about this. So going into these games where on paper, the defensive line isn't very strong. Does your mindset change at all as as an offensive lineman? Like, are you more aggressive going into it right away? Whereas when you're facing someone like an Aaron Donald, for example, you're not going to be as aggressive because your aggression can be used against you. So, or is it just like business as usual, same mindset over and over? Business as usual, because you don't want to go into a game and give a guy some early confidence and let him start feeling himself. Because those are the guys, you know, hey, there's not too much of a fall off between the ones and the twos generally, you know. Um, you know, you look at Seattle's D-line and what the one kid from TCU, first-round pick, he didn't play a whole lot, but we don't know how he's developed over in the past few months. Mm-hmm. You talk about the kid Reed, but he had, what, like 10 and a half sacks or something like that last year, I think, what I was reading earlier. That's nothing to sneeze at. That's yeah, pretty good for is good. Guy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what they got Irvin playing with the Leo position for them, which is the same thing that Vic Beasley kind of played for us here at Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, it's business as usual. You don't want them mm-hmm. to start feeling themselves. Go out there in the first quarter, shut them down, and, you know, hey, you got a pretty decent rest of the day. But, yeah, you don't go in there. You mash the gas on them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, I- I'm interested to see how they match up. Like, I think this is, in theory – a, a matchup that the Falcons should win, uh, like Falcons offensive line versus Seahawks defensive line. But, you know, you never like to get cocky going into these things. But on paper, you know, this this Falcons offensive line, you know, Chris Lindstrom is back and healthy, and we saw towards the end of the season that he could be good. Caleb McGarry was looking better towards the end of the year. You've got Alex Mack back. You've got Jake Matthews back. Um, they're going to be their usual good selves. And then the really the question mark is left guard, but um, – you know, other than Jerron Reed, you know, maybe that's where they can take advantage, uh, you know, in terms of pass rush, they can try to go after left guard. Um, and then we know like Jamal Adams, that's kind of the X factor. Like he's going to blitz a lot. He had six and a half sacks from the safety position last year for the jets. So he's going to be someone who's going to be involved. Um, but I would think the Falcons probably be preparing for that because that's this uh, last year was probably like, it might, it might've been one of the worst Seattle defenses we've seen in recent years. I mean, it wasn't – I think I read earlier this week they had 28 total sacks, and I think eight of those sacks came from either a linebacker or a, or a corner. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's not good at all. And, and I – like Kenan said, are we – can we – should we approach this game as if, like, oh, it's the same old defense? 
we don't know that. You know, it's it's kind of hard. They definitely could develop. We don't we don't know how good LJ Collier really is. You know, if he comes out this game and he has three and a half sacks and we're only looking at each other, <laughs> right. what the hell? Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, <laughs> they do. I will say this. The Falcons do have some matchups in their favor. Definitely. Especially in, in a passing game. Um, but I, what do you, I want to, I want to know, what do you guys expect? First game for Todd Girl. What do you guys expect as far as total touches? Are we going to see... Are we going to see them feed Gurley just a point? <laughs> I mean, I think it depends, speed? right? Do they have a lead after the first quarter? If that's the case, we're probably going to see 15-plus touches. If they don't, if they're way down, like they've been in week one every single year for like the past three years, then we're not going to see a lot of Todd Gurley touches. I mean, maybe he'll get some passes. Maybe that counts. But, I mean, in terms of rushing attempts, like, it's going to, like, this is what Dirk Cutter does. Like, if they're ahead, he's going to run the ball. If they're behind, he's going to run the ball just not very much. So, like, but, but if they're ahead a lot, bring in Brian Hill at that point. Right, exactly. So, right. I mean, do, you, do you guys do you guys feel like there's pressure on Cutter to get Gurley involved early and often, or is this? I mean, they're going to. If you, if you, I mean, if you, if you, the oh, the biggest difference I want to see is him being used more in the passing game. Um, and I mean, you can look at the stats. His Last year, I think, was his worst in terms of receiving. Um, but when you – like, I had him on my fantasy team, so I would, you know, watch Todd Gurley for, you know, hoping he scores and stuff. Mm. And when I'm watching these Rams games, I'm noticing that Jared Goff refused to throw him the ball. Anytime he was out there on receiving downs and stuff, um, he, you know, Gurley would kind of run out, you know, six or seven yards, turn around, and Goff would just launch it downfield and probably overthrow somebody or whatever but Gurley almost got like no no looks from golf um I'm hoping looking like a true frustrated fantasy owner <laughs> yeah I was like so I'm not a big golf fan but um yeah. no uh I'm hoping you know that's where he's going to be used more than he was with the Rams um and obviously in red zone situations and stuff but mm-hmm. um I think they're going to use more Brian Hill than we're kind of expecting. I yeah, guess. yeah. I mean, it it really depends. Like, I mean, the Seahawks were good against the run. That was where their defense was like actually good last year. Um, like outside of, like against the pass, they were actually. I, I'm I'm wrong. I lied to you. Uh, they were abysmal against the oh, run. We, we I lied. You. I lied. Uh, they were abysmal against <laughs> the run. Uh, they they were good on offense running the ball. On defense, they were twenty uh, eighth in rushing yards per attempt allowed the seahawks allowed 4.9 yards per attempt on defense um and over almost 120 rushing yards per game uh to go along with 22 rushing jamal adams jamal adams should help he'll he'll help he'll help um like i don't think they're gonna be that bad against the run this year particularly since like like i said jerron reed's back like he missed a lot of games last year with injury uh that sort of thing but um, they were also bad against the pass, and I think that's what the Falcons are going to try to attack more than they are against the run. But, like, they're going to try to do something against the run. Like, based on Seattle last year, you can kind of – this is – they should be susceptible to the run. They have been – you know, they were last year down the stretch. So they're going to try to get Gurley involved. I don't think he's going to be the focal point of their attack, but I think they're going to try to, like, get him involved to the extent that – you know they have to at least respect it i think that's basically the entire point of a cutter running game is like get the running game to a point where it's like respectable so that they don't just pass rush every single play but last year obviously that did not work 
at all. So uh, maybe this year it can because Todd Gurley can kind of elevate things and the offensive line's healthy, but we'll, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, you'd want them to go ahead and establish that run early so they can bring that safety up and get that eight-man box. You know what I mean? So that mm-hmm. way, hey, they not they can't double-team our outside guys. I don't see them singling Julio up with, uh, with the guys on the outside, really. No, so, no. you know, let's go ahead and get Gurley his 15 touches, and, you know, that way we can go on to the air. Yeah. That's how I see that game plan happening. I can't. Eric, I can't hear you. No, I still can't hear you. That's weird. I can see you talking. It, you, you aren't muted, but I've lost your audio. Technical difficulties. Still can't hear you. Maybe just it, exit it, out and come back in. That, it, it, it's technically yeah. preseason for us. Still. <laughs> yeah, we still have T minus like one like twenty four hours uh, to to get these technical issues ironed out. But yeah. Um, like, in the, through the air is where the Falcons do have an advantage because, like, the Seattle's secondary is, like, better than it was last year. Like, assuming Quentin Dunbar isn't suspended, like, I think I can hear you now. We good now? Yep, yep, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I, I think Seattle's probably going to play the pass first, mm-hmm. which means we might see, you know, we might see them feeding Gurley early just to loosen the defense up a little bit. Um, I mean, at least that's how I would approach it if I were Atlanta. Um, because, like I said, they're, they're, they're probably going to double Julio early, of course. They may rotate some coverage over to Ridley. So you may see you may see some you may see Gurley early or you may actually see a little bit of Hayden Hurst a little bit here and there early. Them tr- because he's going to be singled up a little bit. He's going to have a few matchups in his favor. I just I just don't think in this particular contest they're going to come out and pass, pass, pass. I don't think they should. No, I don't think they will. But Knowing Dirk Cutter in his history, wouldn't surprise me (laughs) if Matt Ryan has 30 pass attempts by halftime. Well, yeah. If that happens, something bad has occurred. Like, they're probably down. But, yeah, like, like Quentin Dunbar is possibly going to be suspended before Sunday. Like, we'll see. Like, there has been more, you know, evidence that's come out in his pending, you know, litigation or whatever. So it's possible that he may not play. I would expect it. You know, he would. I would go in expecting that. But if he doesn't play, then, you know, they're, they're back down to um, they're back down to, to Trey Flowers as their number two cornerback, which is which was not ideal for them uh, last year, obviously. Um, you know, Shaquille Griffin is like a solid corner. Um, I don't think he's like necessarily a plus guy. And, you know, that hurts me to say because charge on, go UCF. But, um, like, he's not a guy that you're going to single up on Julio Jones and expect good things to happen. Like, that's not going to work for you. So... Um, it's going to be interesting to see how I they deploy think, that. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, in regard to Dunbar, I think that their depth chart listed him as a backup, so maybe they're maybe they're bracing for they're expecting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Trey Flowers like, isn't like Flowers. terrible, yeah. but he's not. I wouldn't. He's want not him. guarding Calvin Ridley. No, that's going to be. They're like they're going to like it's it's going to be tough for them because they're going to have to decide who's getting single coverage and. I think because of that, this might be a game where like Hayden Hurst is not really that involved because they do have the the pieces to match up with him. You know, they have Jamal Adams who can erase tight ends. They have KJ Wright who you know is one of the better. They, I, uh, KJ Wright's I one of the best coverage linebackers in football. No, so, like, I, no, no, no. Yeah. I get it. I just think they're going to. I think they're not even going to. Maybe they won't care about to Hayden me, Hurst. Yeah. To me, yeah. Why would you? Why would you use Adams? 
on a guy like Hayden Hurst who's largely unproven. I rather right. I rather have Adams continue to shadow Julio. If I'm not using him in the box, I rather use him on that back end. Um, so I, I think you Hayden Hurst may see a great deal of one on ones. Possibly they may just they may just be telling Matt, hey, throw it to Hayden or no one else. Like that's it. Yeah, you I mean, yeah. Like I, I suspect that we're going to see Jamal Adams used as a blitzer like a lot. Probably a, a blitzer, yeah, yeah, more than likely. If he's not, if he's not a blitzer, if he's back in coverage, I expect to see him shadow either Julio or, or Ridley as a as a in, in so, kind of sort of like shell. Uh, e- either way, I do expect Matt Ryan to pass John Elway on the all-time uh, passing yardage list. He needs, I think, two hundred eighty-nine yards. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna go for three hundred plus in this game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we've seen like if you can't get pressure on Matt Ryan, he's gonna he's gonna light you up. Like that's I mean that, that's any quarterback for, well, in the NFL. Yes, but like Matt Ryan in particular, like he's okay against pressure, but like if he doesn't get pressure, he looks like the league MVP. So like you really have to get pressure on him and move him off his spot. Um, and with the offensive line healthy, at least we think it's healthy if Matt Hennessy is able to suit up. Um, you know, this is not. The pass rush is is probably not going to be a strength unless they're blitzing Jamal Adams because I think that adds you know an X factor there. Um, but if they're blitzing Adams, that leaves you know matchups for Hayden Hurst, and it means that Julio and Calvin Ridley are going to have you know single coverage a lot of the time, and it's going to be difficult. So if they're going to be a, if Seattle's moving more towards a blitz heavy approach because they don't have a pass rush from their front four, that really fundamentally affects their their defense in the same which way with the Falcons. Which also means Cutter doesn't need to draw up uh, routes that take forever to run. Yes, you know, not necessarily bubble screens, <laughs> but yeah, you can Todd Gurley you know, hot route like it needs to be Todd ready. Gurley, yeah, route, some screens. Let's get some screens in there. Last, yeah. I also read. For, for Gurley, last year was his worst year since his rookie season in terms of targets and receptions. 49 targets, 31 catches last year. That was his worst I, rookie year. He burned Vic Beasley for a touchdown in Atlanta, I remember. <laughs> you know what? Thanks I, for I, honestly think, I honestly think all five of us can get a test on Vic Beasley. Let's just be honest. That's disrespectful. solid coverage, if I recall correctly. But you it, know, it, it was, just, it was good. It coverage. was a good route, and it was a good. He catch. just didn't play the ball. He just didn't play the ball at all. He didn't. He didn't look bad. But um, you know, this would be to me in this situation. I think this would be a good opportunity to get some screens early with yeah. Gurley. You know, get that office of that athletic offensive line. Get him out on the edge. Get him moving. You know, you know Gurley is 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 uh, um, an asset in the passing game. Loosen up that Seahawks defense, man. Don't let them zone in on trying to get out the map run. Yeah. yeah. Especially on the left side because we know that Jake Matthews is one of the best offensive linemen in the game when it comes to going yeah. in space oh, yeah. on the yep. screen game. Like, yep. he lives to just pancakes. Oh, yeah. In the yep. screen. Love those Jake Matthews the, pancakes. The Julio touchdown oh, yeah. against Philly. Yep. Yep. The Julio touchdown against Washington. Yeah, against Washington, ago. yeah, when he annihilated Josh Norman. Yep. Yeah. And I do want to uh, – Robert Kelly reminded us about Russell Gage. Like, I guess none of us really know, like, how big of a factor Russell Gage will be. Um, you know, he's going to be the wide receiver three, um, which was a role that got a significant amount of targets in Atlanta last year. Um, so, you know, Russell Gage could be another X factor in this game. We'll see, you know, Russell Gage could be the target on some of these screens. You know, a guy that the Seahawks probably aren't game planning for. Um, you know, he, we know he's good with the ball in his hands. He's, he's pretty athletic, um, you know, so we could see that be a possibility. So I do want to, you know, throw that out there as well. 
But uh, yeah, let's get Russell Gage on some uh, on some shallow rounds or some overs or whatever. You know, so that way he draws some linebackers because because I don't see Wagner or the mother boys covering him. When he's coming, you know, if he's running across the middle in that from that slot formation, you know. Yeah, and that yeah. would definitely lead uh, a Hayden Hurst that can, you know, that runs a four or five. That leads the seams wide open for him if mm-hmm. he is if you know Gage is pulling those linebackers out. That leaves that middle of the field for they have the weapons on offense to put up yards. Oh yeah, put up. It's all it's about the just, scheme. <laughs> it's just a matter. It's all about what? It's all about the scheme. Yeah, it's just it's just a matter of Cutter calling consistent plays for four quarters if you know something is working if if something in the passing game particularly is working stick to it if the run game is working stick to it you he can't get thrown off with this and we've seen it before dirt Dirk cutter has a tendency of just going off track when it comes to play calling and it throws the offensive rhythm off and next thing you know they're scoreless for two quarters yeah and you know hopefully the flexibility will be a little bit better this year you know he's he's this is his second year in this new offense um, that he's never called before. Well, I guess he has called it before now, technically. So, um, Did they put in 500 new plays or whatever? Well, they said they had 500 plays, which is a ridiculous 500 number. 500 runs up the middle. Well, That's yeah. Third. Well, do, do you tack the A gap on the left side or the right side or the B gap or the C gap? Like, you know, this how is many, all these variations. Power. Yeah. Keenan, how many, how many plays in the playbook you guys had when you were you were out there with Mike? I mean, was, was, five, was 500 a... Uh, Decent number was that a normal? <laughs> no. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. 500 yeah. plays incorporating 500 plays in an offseason. That, like that's absurd. Like, I've never. Nah, I think man, the most plays we ever had was when I was in San Diego on the North Turner. North Turner had a lot of offense. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he yeah. had a lot of offense. Yeah, yeah. Dan Reeves, we're running low. power counter zone. Right. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, all right. You got your different formations on how you're going to do it. Right. Oh, yeah, inside zone, too. Oh, and draw. I forgot the draws and, you know, yeah, pullback <laughs> traps. And, but it wasn't 500. It wasn't 500 words, no. So, I, yeah. so it, it, it wasn't as much studying under Dan Reeves. <laughs> no, you still had to study, but it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't no 500 down play. Yeah, was old school. Reeves was old school. Man. Yeah, Reeves pound the rock, baby. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't, I don't, I think Cutter might have fuzzed that a little bit. 500 <laughs> plays in an off season, yeah. 500 plays. That's a lot of that's plays. A lot of, that's, a, that's a lot of. That's offense, a lot of plays. Man. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I, I don't even, I can't even that's comprehend 500. That's, like, that's how about two playbooks, two two and a half playbooks worth of stuff. Honestly, man, that's a lot. That's a of thick playbook. playbook, man. That's thick. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 all, it's only so many different styles or types right. of runs you can do unless, you know, well, not unless, but, you know, a lot of that's coming from the pass, yeah. you know, yeah. passing game, you know, and how they get their formations and, you know, how they uh, personnel and whatnot, you know, they just, a lot of that stuff is just window dressing. It might have been a lot of formations. He probably yeah, threw yeah. formations in with plays and just, yeah, yeah, that makes hey, sense. hey, it's all in one thing. Trips left, trips light. Yeah, maybe there's like 20 plays for trips right and 20 plays for trips left, and they're the same plays, but they're just flipped. And technically, that's 40 plays, but it's really you know 20 mm-hmm. plays. So, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, think about that. You're putting a lot on your offense, right? You're putting yeah. a lot on those guys to have to remember all that. You know, now of course they they're gonna tell that stuff down going into the game, but you know, 
500, there's no way you can rep that many different no. plays <laughs> in all season. Another, like, one another, rep another, each. Another, yeah. reason why, another reason why is because you got to look at the circumstances as well. You're incorporating 500 plays in an off season where the, the league, everybody's dealing with a pandemic. So you're right. not able to see your offense as often as you want to. You're not able to communicate right. with the quarterback. Yeah. That's a lot of plays to put in play, and you only have – a couple handfuls worth of practices to get it. Yeah. Right. Maybe, maybe while he was quarantined, Dirk Carter was playing some more Madden and then <laughs> a lot of Madden. Then he's just like, oh, I like this one. Let me write this one down. Yeah. Let's get this one. Let's get this one. Oh, yeah. Don Emery <laughs> says that he expects 475 and 500 our, to be screened. So, Office yeah. coordinator said he got his plays from Madden. Yeah. You know what? Hey. Uh, Funny enough, well, you know, you know what that first quarter of the game will be interesting because you know a lot of those old coordinators they come out with their uh, with their first twenty, you know what I'm saying? The first twenty, plays. yeah, the scripted plays. We're gonna run this this formation, this personnel group, and then see how they line up and see how they react. So then we can go out and attack them. So but, you know, but what's interesting with that with that aspect is I believe the first month of the season we're going to see some mediocre to bad football. Like you're not going to oh, see yeah. polished teams. So is it possible that that scripted amount of plays may get cut down a little bit because you mm. kind of sort of don't necessarily know what to expect from your offense? Right. Yeah. Right. Because you don't know what you're good at. Right. Exactly. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I get that. that. So I, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I don't. I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he did have 20 scripted, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he says, you know what, I just have 10, mm -hmm. and let's just see what flow we can catch early in the first quarter. Oh yeah, yeah. Then go off. Then go off that. I don't maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense to me. Um, yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens there. Uh, we did have a question from Jason Gaines. He was curious, Keenan, about how deep your playbook was with Greg Knapp uh, because he's also with the Falcons now. So if you were, I don't know if you play with Greg Knapp, maybe you did. Um, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Knapp was a really good offensive coordinator. I learned a lot on the Knapp. You know, he taught me about, a, taught me a lot about offense, you know, two minute old, four minute mm -hmm. offense at the end of the game, trying to close it out. Uh, but under Knapp, we did a lot of, we did inside zone, outside zone. And a lot of that wasn't, really on him you know our run game was pretty much done by alex gibbs you know yeah you know alex, legendary yeah. legendary yeah. alex gibbs yeah alex wanted to do inside zone outside zone we had a couple different little draw plays for mike to get him you know we had a couple we had some wildcat in a little bit um passing game was really done by nap and uh i want to say Knapp and Mike Johnson and Gibbs, but the run game, that's all Alex in. Inside, outside zone with some draws mixed in. Yeah. And yeah. Wildcat. Yeah, yeah. Very different, like, setup than we have now, obviously, you know, based on the qu quarterbacks you had and all that. But, uh, yeah. And Knapp is, is back with the team, so, you know, maybe we'll see. It, like, it's setting up to be more of a zone rushing attack, and they kind of went away from that last year, and Cutter has kind of intimated that they're going to go back towards the zone, which – good because that that's what the offensive line personnel is four zone so <laughs> i mean that outside that outside zone works for Gurley. the it runs does, did yeah, it yeah. last year and a lot of his better runs were behind that yeah were, were outside zone runs so i i mean i i wouldn't be i think they may go to that too i i mean it makes sense with the type of lineman that they have i mean they can't do power stuff with, with these guys these guys are athletic they like to run they like to get out in open space and you know, clobber defenders at the second and third level. Yeah, they do. That I mean, that's their strength. So I, I hope we see that again. And um, you know, we're gonna trust Cutter here. He burned us last year when he said he was gonna you know run 
West Coast, and it wasn't really West Coast. So maybe this year, maybe. Um, you know, but hope springs eternal because it's pre-week one. So, um, all right, let's let's uh, before we get into our picks here, let's we'll do some picks. Um, I want to remind you guys, if you don't mind, to to uh, throw a like to the video here. That'll help other people on YouTube find it. Uh, the more likes it gets, the more like the algorithm helps us. So if you don't mind tossing a like, we really appreciate that. And then if you're not already subscribed uh, to the channel, you can hit that subscribe button. Um, and that will give you alerts uh, if you want every time we go live. So that way you just can keep updated. And then if you're not here to see the show live, you can get it there. So uh, let's let's do some picks. Uh, I guess I'll go first. Um, I, I picked the Seahawks uh, in the Falcoholic official picks. Um, and I'm, I'm picking the Seahawks again just because the Falcons have been really sloppy in week one the last couple of years. Um, I think in terms of like talent level and matchups, this is a game they probably should win. Um, they've tended to be really sloppy in week one, so I'm going to lean that way. I would not be surprised in the slightest if they pulled out the win because I think the Falcons are probably better than most people realize. Um, but week one of, of years past is haunting me, so that's that's where my <laughs> gut is. Uh, Evan, how about you? You go second here. Tell us what, what your thoughts are on the game. Yeah, in, in the Falcoholic picks, I went with the Falcons just because – I don't know. I, that's never the wrong answer. That's never the wrong answer for us. So. I'm just – that's my fan in me just wants them to win week one. So, But, I mean, I'm expecting a lot more from the offense too. So, you know, especially with Todd Gurley, um, I, I'm pretty much just hoping they win for my feelings. But um, I could easily see, you know, last year I did the picks for the Falcolic, and it's like we all started up here picking them. And then it just like every week we got less and less, you know, yeah. especially those first eight games. So yeah. I remember oh, we were so young and, and innocent then. Because yes. Kevin, you won the picks, I believe. I did. I think right? this was the second year so, in a row I won the picks. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a pick you're guy. wrong, though. Yeah, hopefully I'm wrong. I'm, I'm, that's the thing. Like, I'm really hedging here because, like, if the Falcons win, I'll be happy. And then if they lose and I get the pick right, then I'm happy about that. So either way, I'm happy. So. <laughs> how about uh keenan we'll give you the, the the honors here to go second what do you think uh, about the outcome of this game um, 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 um i want to say the falcons and i'm leaning toward the falcons because hey i want them to win but you're absolutely right with the first game of the year the past couple of years they've been looking like ish yeah. and also too <laughs> i'm concerned about the defense a little bit you know the three safety look you know i think it'll be good but what is Keanu's pitch count going to be, you know, with them throwing him out there? Yeah. We'll see. Uh, it should be good, you know, just because getting an extra thumper in the box, you know, if it's Kiki, um, I'm going to roll with the Falcons, baby. All right. Very respectful. But, I, but, but I'm interested to see how this three-safety nickel package is pretty much is what it is. It's going to mm. look for us. Yeah, that is definitely one of the things to watch going into this game. I agree with you there. Um all right, Eric, what do you, what, what do you got here? Um, yeah, I'm going with the Falcons here, too. Uh, I think, you know, I, I really am high on the Seahawks, and I do think the Seahawks are going to be a Super Bowl contender this year, um, but mainly because of what they have on offense. Um, I think the Falcons are able to win some matchups on offense this year. Um, I I love the three-safety look. I think the three-safety look is going to be good for him in the long run. It may have some wrinkles early on. We'll see. Um, but I, I think this is going to be somewhat of a sluggish start for both teams, to be honest with you. I think you're going to see it across the league. You're just going to see some 
drops and yeah. below play. I, yeah. Uh, I, I agree, yeah. But I, I think what starts off as a defensive matchup, I think the Falcons will stretch it in the second half and put up enough points. I think I, I, I would say around – I'll say twenty-seven, twenty-three. That sounds that sounds that sounds realistic. I was gonna say yeah, they'll probably score around like twenty-four, twenty-five points, but yeah. twenty-seven is very much within striking distance of that number. So I, yeah, like these are two teams that are carrying over basically the same offense from the previous year. So they're not like some of these teams that have to install a whole new offense with no game reps whatsoever. Like the Falcons should have an advantage in that way because you know Matt Ryan's very familiar with the system. All right, Adnan, you're going to close this out. What, what's your take on this game? Okay. I'm going to provide a counterpoint to the argument that the team has been terrible in week one because it's been terrible. The past four years, the offense has been absolute doo-doo in week one. Yes. But the last three years, especially the last two years, they went into very hostile road environments. Yep. Uh, that Thursday night game in Philadelphia was just bonkers. Yeah. And last year... It was so loud in Minnesota in in that dome stadium. Uh, Matt Ryan is ten and one in his career in home openers. Uh, he very rarely ever loses at home. The only time he ever lost at home was in 2016. Even in the worst seasons, Matt Ryan wins the first home game at least. So I'm gonna go with the Falcons, um, just because, like Eric said, I think. They can exploit some of those offensive matchups. Uh, I think I don't think that they have the horses to run with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley in this game. I'm going to go 24-23. Uh, I think it'll come down to the wire, and you know uh, I'm going to go with a young Waku game-winning field goal nice. at the yeah. very end to cap off a very exciting game and to make us feel very good about ourselves. Yeah, I mean, I like your guys' takes better than mine, so I'm going to go with, with yours. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. Like, I agree, like, being able to play at home, that will be probably helpful to them, you know, maybe not looking like utter utter crap uh, in week one. Um, so I'm looking forward to that being a possibility because it's just a real ball buster, right, when when you get so excited about week one. And then, like, last year, that Vikings Especially game was just, like, oh a punch God. repeatedly to, to the nuts. Like, just over and over again. Like, oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, so I would love for that not to happen. Uh, I know you guys absolutely loved just watching me just, like, come on after that game and be like, all right, well, uh, that was terrible. So, yeah. Bro, I, I loved reading Dave's tweets because I think when it was, like, 28 to 0, I think he tweeted out something like, I think my my nose is bleeding. Like <laughs> <laughs> Poor Dave. Yeah. Dave doing Yeoman's work on the Twitter there, but yeah. Um, yeah. So. And, and also um, our guys should be very used to playing with that piped in crowd noise. So that yes. should be, that should be an advantage. For underrated, us. underrated advantage for Atlanta there. <laughs> shout, shout out to the other Roddy White. Yes. The other that. Roddy White. Yeah. 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 So how are they, oh, yeah, they going to monitor that? Like, how are they going to do that? Like, is there going to be like a decimal? I think reading? the league Maybe, sent yeah. in. I think the I was I read somewhere the league sent every team like a specific noise from their stadium or something. Yeah, I don't know how the hell that even works, but it's very psychological. Um, the league, yeah, it's not like the teams just deciding. The league <laughs> has it. It's just going to yell out. like Drew Brees sucks like on loop like for the Saints game. <laughs> just just he has to hear yeah. that like the whole time. That would be cool if they could do that, but I guess they're not. They're probably not going to do that. I was hoping they do the cardboard cutouts. Like, yeah, would seriously pay money. That would really that would be funny. That would really look bad. 
I think it would be funny. Well, I know some. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure they would do it for like the first couple rows or something. Just yeah. you know, the TV line or whatever. Right, right. That'd be fun. Um, like yeah, because I know that some sports teams have done it. Yeah, yeah. So that could be interesting. They should they should do it for like the end zones. Like, you, know, you have like media. <laughs> It'd be a good way to be like, uh, pay us, and we're going to do- donate the proceeds to whatever. Right. You know, or maybe like season kinda... ticket holders that keep their tickets. You know, they can. That works get, They too. can get a cut. They can get a cut out of themselves, put in their seats or something like that. You know, that'd yeah. be cool. But uh, yeah. Uh, so, Lair, we do predict all the games on the Falcoholic. Um, so those will, I think those go up maybe Thursday. So yeah, tomorrow those might be up on the site. Um, we're using yeah. like a new pick service that was extremely in depth. I'm only picking win loss. You, you betting degenerates can do the other ones, but um, oh, yeah. I did it on accident, and then <laughs> I got like halfway through, and I'm like, I was like, I cannot I'm picking the winner. Yeah, yeah, that's not that's not my game. That's for the the you know DK Nation uh, viewers mm-hmm. to go hit that up. Shout out to DK Nation. Uh, but yeah, uh, th- those are going to be up on the website. We're obviously going to have our game coverage going up until Sunday. Uh, yeah. So on that note, uh, first week of first game of the season, we will have a pre-show. So that will be uh, Sunday, 30 minutes, give or take before the game, maybe a little bit earlier. We'll see. Um, so we'll be up on here to talk to just do a little, do a little celebration, you know, there's not a whole lot to talk about uh, because it's the first game of the season. There's not a lot of big storylines yet, but uh, we'll do that. And then there will be obviously your favorite show. Uh, the post-game show will be afterwards, so you guys can check that out right after. And then, as always, uh, we are back to every week, so we will be back next Wednesday as well to break that game down and preview the next week's matchup. Um, but other than that, guys, we just really appreciate you tuning in. Uh, we were up in, like, the 70s tonight. Uh, we're back, getting back closer to those regular season numbers, so we appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, we appreciate the likes and the subscriptions. Uh, and uh, before we get out of here, I want to give my uh, co-hosts an opportunity to plug their stuff. So we'll start with Keenan. He's Keenan Forney, former Falcons guard, at KForney65 on Twitter. Uh, Keenan, anything you want to let the people know about? I uh, just want to continue to encourage everybody to get out and – watch some football this weekend, you know, whether it's, of course, the NFL, but also to high school. I uh, want to say shout-out to my guy, John Pointevent, at uh, at uh, Mountain View High School. He won his first game this past week against Shiloh, and they're playing against Parkview this week. Matter of fact, uh, that's Chris Carson's uh, old team for the, uh, yeah. for the uh, running back for the yeah, yeah. Seattle Seahawks. So uh, I just uh, wish him good luck, and uh, go Bears. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, good stuff there, guys. Check that out. Also with us tonight, Evan Birchfield. At very easy to remember, Evan Birchfield on Twitter. Evan, anything that you're working on you want to plug? Yeah, um, so now that we're getting back into regular season mode, uh, I have on Fridays, look for my Fantasy Outlook articles if you're into fantasy. Um, Tuesdays, I believe, I'll have stats and stuff like that. Um, And also I have my Madden series, which is done. Um, terrible game, but um, the it was interesting predicting. You know, Laquan Treadwell had like twelve touchdowns the God. or something. Didn't even make got, the roster. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, I guess if you're in the slot on that game, it doesn't matter who you are. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it, it's a fun read. And then also, I read this book and I was proud of myself. But it's Arthur Blank's new memoirs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, get a lot of like inside stuff on his thoughts and you know for like the michael vick situation um obviously super bowl loss um 
protests, uh, stuff at Home Depot. Like it's a, it was super interesting. It was one of those books where I just kept reading it and reading it. I'm like blown away because you know stuff, but when you see it from the perspective of the person who lived through it, um, definitely makes it interesting. So Hmm. yeah, yeah, that sounds interesting. I'm going to have to check that out. Uh, oh, so, so uh, what I meant was the review uh, comes out tomorrow. On yes, yeah, definitely check out the review, and then uh, that sounds like a very interesting read. So I'm going to do some reading myself because uh, everyone everyone should read more, right? That's just a good habit, especially in quarantine when we got nothing else to do. Absolutely, so it's a great excuse to read. Uh, well, especially when it's something you enjoy, you know. Yeah, Anytime yeah. there's a Falcons related thing, absolutely, guys. Yeah. Uh, also with us tonight, Eric Robinson at underscore Eric underscore Robinson on Twitter. Eric, anything that you're working on you want to let the people know about? Uh, yeah, I will be finishing up my uh, Seahawks-Falcons week one preview. Uh, it's going to give a breakdown as far as key matchups uh, to keep an eye on, as well as an analytical outlook as well, analytical stats to kind of uh, be mindful of as the game approaches. Um, and I also have a write-up on the, uh, the Falcons' new three-safety look and what that brings to the table and how it's going to incorporate – a particular famous scheme uh, that we're all quite familiar of, all quite familiar with. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so give that a look. Absolutely. Yeah, check that out, guys. It's going to be a good piece for sure. And then bringing up the rear, last but not least, Adnan Ikic at Say Which Way on Twitter. Adnan, anything that you're working on you'd like to plug this evening? Uh, yes. Now that we're getting back into the swing of things, uh, I'm bringing back my What If the Falcons Win Slash Lose article. And last year it was mostly What If They Lose with a hint of a chance of winning. But, you know, hopefully that's changed up this year. Um, starting Monday, I'm bringing back my fantasy stud and dud, looking at the fantasy football aspect of uh, – of week one's game and also check out our round table where each of the writers are making their predictions for the full season as to what the Falcons record is going to be. So that should be going live sometime this week. Yes. Yeah. Definitely check that out guys. Some good pre-game content uh, that I know you guys are all craving as we get closer to the weekend here. Uh, and I am Kevin Knight on Twitter at Falcoholic Kevin. Uh, let's see. Today I had some, uh, an article about the players at the end of the roster. Tomorrow I'm going to have something, uh, the stats preview. I quoted some of the stats, uh, the, from 2019, obviously. Uh, but that'll be updated every week again for the Falcons opponent. Uh, so if you're looking for more of an analytical angle to things and how the matchup might look, you can check that out tomorrow. And then Friday will be, uh, players to watch. There's going to be some big ones this week. And yeah, we're just a few days away from Falcons football. Uh, finally getting able to see these guys on the field. It feels like literally forever because no preseason. None of us could go to oh, training man. camp. So um, I'm going to enjoy this Chiefs game. I know that. Uh, so we're going to get to dine on that feast mm-hmm. of football first. And then uh, Falcons Mahomes, football this weekend. Mahomes yeah. MVP season yeah. starts tomorrow. The, ho- the gift that keeps on giving is Patrick Mahomes football. Right. So uh, looking forward to that. But otherwise, guys, we really appreciate you tuning in. Uh, like I said, if you don't mind throwing a like to the video, that helps other folks on uh, YouTube find the show. Uh, helps the algorithms or some such technical nonsense. Uh, and if you're not already subscribed, hit that subscribe button. That gives you guys updates and also helps us out in other algorithmic ways that I'm not entirely clear on the details of, but it helps. You like you like that word, don't you? I do. Yeah. I mean, those those <laughs> analytic algorithms, man. You know, those they they, they make the world run apparently. So, uh, yeah. Definitely do that, guys. Uh, the show is also on Twitter at Falcoholic Live if you want to interact with us there. 
Um, but we just really appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll be back on Sunday for pre- and post-game coverage. So we'll see you there. Uh, until then, enjoy the return of football on Thursday. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys on Sunday. One more final note before I close it out. Uh, the show is going to be available in podcast audio format. So if you've got friends or other fans that you know that you know can't make the Wednesday night show and prefer podcasts, because I know I drive around a lot um, and I like to listen to podcasts in the car, uh, our podcast audio, starting with last week, is going to be available on the Falcoholic podcast feeds. So where you listen to DW and Gina and all those great guys. Uh, so if you rather listen to the audio or if you have friends that prefer to listen to audio, you can tell them to check that out. That will be on the Falcoholic Podcast feeds on all your favorite podcast platforms. All right. Thank you guys again. We will see you on Sunday. Have a great week.